Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talk with a Doc, the show where we bring your questions to medical experts for insight and information. I'm your host, Mary Renoff, and here with me today is Caitlin Snyder, a dietitian with the Providence Community Wellness Program in Spokane, Washington. Today, we're going to talk about diabetes prevention. Remember, everyone, most of our questions come from you, our listeners, via social media. We can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and on Instagram under Providence Health System. Use the hashtag Talk with a Doc for the chance to hear your questions in our episodes. Before we start, I want our listeners to know that the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always consult a healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. So let's get started by welcoming our expert today, Caitlin. Caitlin, take a moment here and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role with Providence. Yeah, so it's really great to be back. Thanks for having me back again. Um, so I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist, and I have been for about six years now. Um, I also have a master's of science in nutrition. And early in my career, I started out working in maternal and child nutrition, but then I transitioned over to weight management and diabetes education. Um, so now working at Providence, I do mostly one-on-one -on -one diabetes education, um, but I also facilitate diabetes prevention program groups and I lead a lot of group weight loss classes. So um, this is the topic that I'm really excited to talk about. I'm really passionate about um, preventing diabetes. <laughs> well, it seems like there's more and more people becoming diabetic over time. So I can imagine that your role is very, very important. Um, talk to me a little bit. I know that diabetes is kind of what we're going to focus on today. But before we do, let's talk a little bit about some of the programs in general that Providence is offering in the Spokane uh, area for, for the community. Yeah, so our community wellness department offers a number of different um, sort of health promotion uh, services. We do a lot around weight management. Um, we have some group programs. We have um, the diabetes prevention program or group lifestyle balance, which we're going to talk a lot about today. And we also have kind of some individual offerings for people who want to lose weight. Um, and we do smoking cessation programs. Um, blood pressure education and health screenings. So we're just basically promoting health in our community. I know you and I had a great conversation about weight loss and, and I think we've even talked about smoking cessation at different times. I, I always love our conversations, but today is about diabetes. So I will try to focus. Um, for people who don't know, can you kind of start us off at a basic level? What is diabetes? What's happening to our bodies if we have it? Um, are there different types of diabetes? I know that's pretty broad, but give us the kind of the, the elevator pitch here. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So um, you are right. Diabetes is becoming more and more common. Um, and the thing is that a lot of people don't even know that they have diabetes. It's estimated that, you know, a pretty large percentage of people who have it have not yet been diagnosed. Um, so diabetes is basically a problem with your body using the carbohydrates or the sugar that you eat from your food. So you're right. There definitely are two types of diabetes. So type one diabetes is an autoimmune condition. And that's where your immune system basically kind of attacks your pancreas and you stop producing insulin. You need insulin to be able to use the carbohydrates that you eat for energy. And so if you don't make insulin, you have to take it. So people with type one diabetes always have to take insulin injections. Um, the more common type of diabetes though is type two diabetes. And 
this is a different situation where your body still makes insulin, but the insulin that you're making doesn't work prop properly. Um, there's something called insulin resistance going on. <clears throat> so insulin resistance means that your cells don't respond normally to insulin. So an easy way to think about this is to kind of picture a lock and a key. Um, our insulin receptors are the locks and insulin is the key. So when things are working properly, the key easily opens the lock and the sugars or the glucose from our food get right into our cells and they can get used for energy. Um, when someone has insulin resistance, we've got plenty of insulin or plenty of those keys in our system, but there's a problem with the locks. Either there's not enough of them or they're just not responding properly. And so, the sugar can't get into our cells to get used for energy, so it builds up in our bloodstream, and that's where it can start to cause health problems over time. So one of the things I hear quite a bit from people, for some reason at my age group, is I'm pre-diabetic. So it, it, this is going to be a really naive question, but is pre-diabetes just pre-diabetes in general, or is it pre-type 1, pre-type 2? How do you know? Yeah, great question. So typically when people say that they have prediabetes, and we do want to say that somebody has diabetes rather than saying diabetic, um, that's kind of a more person-centered way of describing it that we're moving toward. Um, so that's just a side note there. But typically when someone has prediabetes, they're going to be talking about type 2 diabetes. So they have that insulin resistance going on. Okay, I'm going to ask you to continue to correct me in this show every time I make that mistake because it's it's new for me and I imagine most people listening. So I, I know I'm probably going to make the mistake, but do jump in and correct me because I want people to start understanding this. I think it's important. But Sure. Um, yeah. And it's kind of yeah. just about that, you know, sometimes when we use the word diabetic, it can sound like the disease is really defining you. Right, um, right. Whereas it's really just one aspect of your life. If you have diabetes, it's something you have to manage. Or if you have prediabetes, same thing. Um, but it, it doesn't define you. I say that all the time about my cancer, right? I am not my cancer, right? I would not be my diabetes. Like it might be part of my life. You're right. I like, I like the way you're thinking. Um, how, so all of these people that I know, right, in my age group that say that they are pre-diabetic or have, you know, a person with pre-diabetes, how do they know? Like, did they go to the doctor or the doctor ran tests where there's symptoms they should be looking for? How do you know? Yeah, great question. So, um, if you have pre-diabetes or diabetes, the only real way to know is to get a blood test. So there's a couple of blood tests that your doctor can do. You can test your fasting blood sugar or you can test something called your hemoglobin A1C, which is an average of what your blood sugars have been over the last three months. So there are kind of ranges. So if your blood sugar is slightly elevated, then you know we know that that insulin resistance problem is kind of starting to become an issue for you and you're on your way to having diabetes. And then once you pass a certain threshold, you're considered as having diabetes. So I know you and, and your team always want people to be screened, right? And I know that that's one of your biggest efforts. So how do you screen? How, I mean, is it something that that I can go to my doctor for? Do I have to ask for it? Talk to me a little bit about screening. Yes. So, you know, doctors 
are the ones to talk to if you want to get screened. You know, sometimes uh, like um, at our community wellness department, we do offer A1C tests and that can kind of give you an idea of whether your average blood sugar is a little elevated. Um, but the best thing to do is to just say, hey, doctor, you know, I'm a little concerned that my blood sugar might be an issue if you think you might be at risk um, and you can get your blood sugar checked. And another good way to know if you might be at risk is to take an online screening test. And the CDC um, at cdc.gov actually has just a short, quick little test that you can take. And it can kind of tell you, um, it can assess which risk factors that you have and give you an idea of your risk for developing diabetes. So let's keep going in on that one. Like who is at risk for diabetes? And I say this as somebody who knows that I'm high risk because so many people in my family have it and I've been obese a lot of my life. So who who's most at risk? Yeah. So I'm glad that you mentioned family history because people who have other people with type 2 diabetes in their family do have a much higher risk of getting it themselves. Um, other risk factors are, you know, people of certain ethnicities, uh, for example, African-American, Asian Pacific Islander, Native American or Hispanic ethnicities do have a bit of a higher risk. Um, people who have abdominal obesity. So you can think of that kind of apple-shaped body type where you carry a little bit of extra weight around the midsection. That can tell us that you have what's called visceral fat or excess visceral fat, meaning you've got some extra fat around your internal organs. That is an increased risk factor. Um, also, women who have had gestational diabetes in one of their pregnancies, or maybe they have um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, as we get older, our risk goes up. And people with high blood pressure or those who maybe don't get as much exercise or physical activity in their life. Those are some of the main risk factors. Well, one of the things that I've heard people say, and I think we actually had a question come in, which is if if I do find out I have diabetes, is it a lifetime thing or is this something that I can fix with diet and, and lifestyle? And I'm going to okay. assume that that depends on what kind maybe, but... Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you have type one diabetes, unfortunately, there's no cure for it right now. So you're going to want to start taking insulin and, you know, have your doctor help you with that right away. Um, with type two diabetes, oftentimes it can be, well, I might say reversible. We don't have a cure for any type of diabetes right now, um, but you can kind of put it into remission. So it's something that's always going to be there with you. But if you step in early and you start making some changes, then you can really, really reduce your risk of progressing to diabetes. Or if you've already progressed to diabetes, sometimes you can even kind of get back out of that diabetes range into kind of more normal blood sugar levels. You know, we had a question come in that actually said that. It said, I'm pre-diabetic and I've been following a strict plan to adjust my lifestyle. How long should it take for me to be less at risk? Like, how, how do you know that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it totally varies. And one of the big kind of indicators of how long it'll take is how long has the pre-diabetes been going on? So pre-diabetes, as I mentioned before, it's a problem with insulin resistance. And the sneaky thing about insulin resistance is that 
a lot of times in the beginning, we can't really tell that it's going on um, because it has to progress to a certain point before it starts to show up in your bloodstream or in your blood tests rather. Um, so oftentimes people have prediabetes or insulin resistance kind of developing in the background for years before they realize it. Um, but if you kind of get those blood tests as soon as they're elevated and kind of take action at that point, then you can really correct things pretty quickly and go a long way toward preventing diabetes. But once it progresses to a certain point, it's harder to kind of backtrack and it can get to a point where you, um, you're more likely to progress to full on diabetes if you wait longer. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but when we do, we're going to come back and continue the conversation about diabetes and why it's so important for us to be aware. I've been waiting for the tides to change, for the waves to send you my way. I see you, darling, but you pixelate. It gets hard to take these days. It's like when you're far away from 
We are back on Talk with the Doc, and we have our guest today, Caitlin Snyder, and we've been talking about diabetes, and we're going to keep talking about what can we do to prevent diabetes and how do we treat it if we are already there. So we talked a little bit about kind of insulin-dependent diabetes, and one of the questions I had for you, Caitlin, was I've seen people lately with like apps that check their levels and then like alert them if they need to, and I actually saw somebody using like an inhaler for insulin. Are things kind of constantly evolving and changing? I feel like it used to be if you had diabetes, you were just in this needle poke all the time, right? Like are things changing? Things are changing so fast with diabetes. It's one of the fastest changing types of industries. I mean, I recently talked to somebody who had type 2 diabetes starting in her teen years, and she was in her 70s, and she had started checking her blood sugar in her urine, um, which is how they used to do it. And uh, I was helping her get it set up with one of those machines you're talking about, a continuous glucose monitor, um, which is just a sensor that goes into just under your skin, and it's constantly measuring your blood sugar and giving you immediate feedback. So it has progressed so far, and uh, there's a lot of amazing technology like those continuous glucose monitors and smart insulin pens that can help you figure out your dose and insulin pumps. So uh, yes, there's a lot of new advances there. Well, and I imagine that because things are changing and we as a society are changing in the way that we eat and what we do, I mean, COVID's proven like we've become very sedentary. I imagine that a lot of what you do is really around that kind of education and, and wellness. So tell me a little bit about this group lifestyle balance program that I've heard you talk about. Yeah, so the group lifestyle balance program is such a great program. Um, it is actually based on the National Diabetes Prevention Program study, and that started back in the 90s. And it was a large study that measured how well a lifestyle change program could prevent diabetes compared to the diabetes medication metformin. And what they found is that the lifestyle change was actually a lot more effective than just taking metformin. Um, doing um, a comprehensive program where you ate healthier, you lost about 7% of your body weight, and you exercised 150 minutes a week, reduced people's risk of getting diabetes uh, by 58% if they had prediabetes. Wow. And yeah, so it was really effective. Those and, are good odds. <laughs> right. Well, it gets better if you're over 60, it actually reduced their risk um, by 71%. Oh, for crying out loud. Like, how would you not, right? <laughs> That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's pretty cool. And they actually did kind of longer term follow-up of people. And the uh, program was still beneficial years out at really preventing the onset of diabetes. Um so group lifestyle balance is kind of a version of this program there and this program is offered nationwide but um, we do the specific group lifestyle balance version here in spokane um, and we kind of just help people reach those goals that were found to be so effective in the diabetes prevention program study so you know we will give them a calorie goal and we'll give them guidance and support with staying at their calorie goal to help them get to that 7% weight loss. But we also talk a lot about nutrition and healthy eating. Um, we help them be more active and get to that 150 minutes of exercise, or you can kind of break that down into like 30 minutes, five days a week. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we talk about, like some of the mental and emotional aspects of eating, dealing with social situations, um, stress, sleep, 
mindful eating, um, all sorts of things that are part of the bigger picture when it comes to making and sticking with a healthier lifestyle or making those changes and sticking with them. It's so amazing that you do this because, I mean, I feel like it is a lifestyle change and I feel like there's so much that goes into it, not just the eating better or working out, but even kind of like the mental capacity behind it and the support network. So how, how I mean, because what you just said sounds to me like you're spending hours and hours and hours with somebody. What what does the program look like? Do I come to you once a week? Is it like 16 weeks? Like, how does it work? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm glad that you mentioned that support. So, you know, you you really get a lot of accountability and support because a lot of times the people who I encounter, you know, it's not that they don't know what to do. Like a lot of us know what a healthy diet looks like and healthy lifestyle. It's about actually doing it. So you get and doing it consistently. And doing it consistently. I know. And I'm really good Monday through Friday and then Saturday and Sunday hit and I'm like, meh, I'm going to have the ice cream. (laughs) Right. Or even just over time, you know, once you when you start a program, you're like really excited and over time it gets harder to stick with it. Um, So there's a lot of focus on that. But as far as what the program looks like, it's a year long. And in the beginning, it's a little more intensive. So you meet every week and you weigh in every week to help you stay accountable. You submit your food logs every week and you get personalized feedback. Um, And then by week 13, we switch to every other week. And then halfway through, we switch to just once a month. So you get lots of support up front, and then you kind of become a little more independent as it goes. Um, And I've seen a number of people actually repeat it. So they do it for the year, and then they find it so helpful, they want to go through it again. And I'm sorry if this question seems ignorant, but is, is the program different for somebody who's who's experiencing, say, pre-diabetes versus somebody who's actually living with diabetes? Like, are they different programs? Great question. So the Diabetes Prevention Program is really designed for people with pre-diabetes, but we welcome people with diabetes in our program. Um, I can't speak for other programs around the country, but the lifestyle changes and you know all those behaviors that are so effective they are just as helpful if you already have diabetes as they are for someone with prediabetes i'd say the only caveat is if you have diabetes already and you're you know making big changes to your diet and you're losing weight it could be important to work with your doctor or maybe a diabetes educator to help you adjust medications because you might need less of them as time goes oh that makes sense yeah so how how do I get into the program? Do I have to go to my primary care physician first? Do I have to get a referral? Can I call you? How do I know? Great question. Uh, you can get a referral from your doctor, but you don't need to. Um, you can just, you know, if you wanted to do our program here in Spokane, you can go to our website. Um, and it just changed because we just changed our um, – we're just getting incorporated into Providence at this point. Um, but – if you just Google group lifestyle balance in Spokane um, at Providence Community Wellness, then you can find information there. Um, our website for signing up is courseregistration.inhs.org. Um, if you want to just go ahead and sign up. Um, or like I said, you can just ask your doctor and get a referral. I like it. Well, we had a bunch of questions come in from people, and I think some of them are really interesting. So um, this one says, are there ab- are there foods that are absolute no, 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 I can't eat them if I'm uh, pre-diabetic? 
great question. So a lot of times I, um, I see people and they have found out they have prediabetes or diabetes and they have completely stopped eating carbs and sugar because they hear or they read online that carbs and sugar are evil and causing diabetes. So this is not exactly true. Um, you know, I would say I do not believe personally in good and bad foods because whatever you do to prevent diabetes or to improve your blood sugars, you want to be able to keep doing it long term. You want it to be sustainable. So if you make a bunch of your favorite foods totally off limits, it gets really hard to stick to that. So that is true. <laughs> that is so true. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I do this with pizza. And then you would think, okay, well, every now and then I'm going to have a piece of pizza, but I end up having like four pieces of pizza because I've withheld it for so long. You know what I mean? Yep, exactly. Yep. So, you know, you can kind of avoid that situation by avoiding the good and bad thinking. Um, but it is a good idea to maybe cut back a little bit on um, processed foods and added sugars and maybe kind of watch your portion sizes when it comes to carbohydrate foods. And foods that have carbohydrates are like breads, pastas, potatoes, fruits, um, things that come from grains, crackers, stuff like that. Um, Caitlin, we have to talk yes. about fruit for a second because okay. especially in the summer, I live off of fruit, right? But my dad's diabetic and every time I eat the watermelon or the grapes, he's like, do you know how many carbs are in that? Do you know how many sugars are in that? Are there certain fruits that I should be avoiding or is it just about the amount of fruit I'm eating? Such a great question. Yes. Fruits get a really bad rap these days when people are, you know, really embracing low carb diets, but fruits have so many health benefits. They're full of antioxidants and fiber and all sorts of good stuff. Um, but if you are someone who has trouble with metabolizing carbs, maybe you have prediabetes or diabetes, the portion matters. So yes, enjoy your fruits. Um, a variety of different colors is good to include in your diet, but portions, uh, maybe on the smaller side, I usually say about a cup at a time or about the size of a baseball is, is a good amount for any of these carb foods. Or you can think about having about a quarter of your plate come from carb foods and then the rest of the plate from vegetables and lean proteins. Ah, oh, fabulous advice. Uh, one question came in that is, is, I imagine a lot of people listening are thinking this because people listen from all over the country. If, if I'm not in your area and I want some lifestyle tips, what would you recommend to somebody that would help me not become diabetic eventually? Yes. So first I would say if you uh, have prediabetes or you suspect that you might have prediabetes, uh, get screened and figure out for sure. It really is helpful to know your numbers and kind of know what your risks are. Um, second, I'd say get some support. If there is a diabetes prevention program available in your area, and chances are that there is, um, then you can try to join one of those or you can see if there's um, a dietitian or a nutritionist available who uh, maybe your insurance might cover for you to see them. They don't always cover it, unfortunately, for people with prediabetes, but it's worth a try. Um, and the second thing, is, or the next thing I would say is get active. Exercise is so powerful at improving your blood sugars. It really helps that insulin resistance 
uh, get better. Um, I like to say it kind of makes your muscles hungry. It makes your cells in your body hungry when you're using them. So it really lowers your blood sugar to just be active and move your body. Um, and then you might also consider more of a Mediterranean type diet with lots of vegetables and lots of high fiber foods like beans and whole grains and nuts and seeds. Um, that's really been shown to protect against diabetes. And then the other one a lot of times people don't think about is kind of managing your stress or keeping your stress levels sort of in check, um, or at least having an outlet for stress, because sometimes we can't help it if we have a stressful life. But, you know, how are you, um, what are you, what are you doing to reduce your stress or to give yourself an outlet for it? And that actually does play a big role too. Oh my God. Can you come back for an entire show on that? Because I, <laughs> it doesn't matter what I do. I meditate, I do yoga, I <laughs> Nothing's reducing the stress. So I'm going to ask you right now to come back and I'm going to hold you to it. So Sure. <laughs> um, I'd love to. <laughs> I know that we're almost out of time. So I want to give you this one last question, which is basically, is there anything we haven't touched on that you think would be really important for our listeners to know when it comes to diabetes prevention? Um, when it comes to diabetes prevention, you know, I would say it can be really scary to, uh, to find out that you have prediabetes or that you have diabetes. Um, but, you know, oftentimes I'll have people who kind of avoid going to the doctor and then they'll say to me, well, you know, I was totally healthy until I went to the doctor and then I found out I had diabetes. <laughs> well, you know, the, the truth is that you probably had that diabetes developing for a while and maybe it could have been prevented if you would have found out earlier. So um, I know it can be scary, but, you know, don't shy away from finding out and having all the information. And then for people who do have diabetes, don't miss out on the opportunity to work with a diabetes educator. Diabetes educators, they may be dietitians, they may be nurses or pharmacists, but they're people who are specifically trained to help you manage all aspects of your diabetes, whether it's your medications, healthy eating, exercise, or just coping with kind of the emotional burden of having diabetes. Because it can be a lot to deal with on your own. So um, you can ask your doctor for a referral to see a diabetes educator and almost always insurance covers it really well. So um, if you're not using that resource, it can really be a missed opportunity. Well, thank you, Caitlin, for joining us today on Talk with the Doc and everyone for listening and sending in your questions. We look forward to future topics with more experts from Providence, especially you, Caitlin. Make sure to listen to our future shows on Dash Radio under the Future of Health radio station or your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and on Instagram under Providence Health Systems. To learn more about our mission programs and services, visit Providence.org. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.